Thank you very much, Julie. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Welcome on this beautiful winter's day. Don't we love winter? We do. We do, said all, all sorts of people. So if we want water to drink, if we want food to eat, we need winter. All sunshine makes a desert is an appropriate proverb. Can God be trusted? Very important question that, uh, that we don't answer just once in our lives, necessarily. Each new day often presents new situations to trust God. Uh, the Indian philosopher Vishal Mangalawadi, who is also a Christian, in one of his books writes us to, he invites us to consider this following confronting scenario. Now I need to give you a heads up that this is quite confronting. It's not graphic, but it's confronting. He says, imagine spending one of your annual vacations in a village in India. You want to get to know a culture that's completely different than yours and you end up visiting the village where my wife and I served the poor in the 1970s and the 80s. And there you encounter a family that is starving its youngest daughter to death. And you think, why? And you ask them that and they answer you this. Because we don't have the heart to stab her to death. And your mind is racing, obviously, and you're confronted with all sorts of emotions and you're saying, but why do you want to kill her? And they say to you, we already have an older daughter. She can cook, clean and look after her two brothers. We don't need a second daughter. We would have aborted her, but doctors are not allowed to tell parents the unborn baby's gender. Gender. Other families kill unwanted girls as soon as they are born, and we were torn. We thought we could let her live, but over time we found the strength to submit emotions to sanity. As a girl, she is a long-term liability to us. To let her live is to condemn her to lifelong misery. Ending her life is compassion. It would have been different if she was a boy. I said it was confronting. As a visitor, would you impose your culture's belief upon the parents that boys and girls are equal? I want to take a few moments to think about the issues that this scenario raises because there are, there are lots of voices today in Western culture that say that all cultures are equal all beliefs are equal, all religions are equal, and all gods are equal. And so we need to examine whether those things might be true or not. Are all cultures equal? Are all beliefs equal? Are all religions equal and all gods equal? They're very, very important questions to wrestle with and you have to answer. Many of you have answered them, but there are many of, many of you, particularly uh, students, when you leave school, if you go to university, you'll be confronted with this kind of teaching that all these things are equal and it's wrong to impose your values uh, on other cultures. Now, I want to...
abruptly interrupt this thought with saying what the what happens when the bible goes places because the bible actually transforms cultures wherever the bible has gone and it's been translated into local languages and read by ordinary people and obeyed it has had a positive transforming effect on the people and the society that slide should be on the screen right now thanks Because I want you to see the key words in this sentence. The key words are words like Bible and translation and read and obeyed and positive transformation. So, and Vishal actually documents this in his book where he shows the positive transformation of where the Bible has gone and where it's been translated into local languages for ordinary people to read who could read it in their own language and they begin to obey the words of the Bible, the words of Jesus all the way through, it transforms positively their culture. It's brought about enormous differences. And in Vishal's book, he documents multiple examples of things that happened in India and other places in the world where this has actually happened. So I want to say to you, don't fall for the lie that all cultures are equal, all gods are equal, all religions are equal and all beliefs are equal. Don't fall for that lie. Actually, have a look at the evidence because the evidence shows something completely different. You see, from the Bible, Western society got the idea that every single person has equal value and that God gives men and women equal value. Boys and girls have equal value. That idea just didn't arrive out of of nowhere. It arrived because people read the Bible and looked at what the Bible said about men and women and said men and women are equal. Now look, we've had a long and tortured path about trying to bring about what equality actually looks like and equality of value in Western society. But the reality is that belief has been anchored in our society, which is one of the reasons we don't kill girls when they're born. Because they're a girl. It's why so many companies are trying to introduce quotas and say, we've got to have the same. Now, I think that's a flawed experiment that you can have men and women equally in every strata of society. That's my own personal conviction. You will have to make your decision for yourself. Some countries have worked very hard at this. I believe the Nordic countries have. They've tried very hard to get equal numbers of male nurses and female nurses. They've tried very hard to get equal numbers of engineers, as equal numbers of men and women engineers. And they've been unsuccessful at both of those things. The reason is that there just aren't the same number of men who want to be nurses as women. From a biblical point of view, we'd say women have a predisposition to caring, to relational things. Men are more interested in things. That's why many more men are engineers. I'm not, not ruling out that there are men and women, in, but the idea that we ought to have 50-50 in everything, I'm saying is flawed. Like it's a worthy aspiration, but the higher aspiration is that our culture values men and women the same, boys and girls the same. We say you have the same value. It's not about what your job is, what your occupation is. And we get this idea from the Bible. It does not exist in every culture, but it exists where people 
got the Bible translated into their own language, read it, obeyed it, and they've, it's worked out. Another thing that we've got from the Bible is that the God of the Bible gives people freedom with responsibility. The idea that, you can, that freedom means not having responsibility, that's not a biblical idea and it's not a good idea. Where people have freedom without responsibility, that road leads, historically we know, to, to, a, letter, to a word that starts with the letter A, called anarchy. Because everyone just does what's right in their own eyes. Because they refuse to take any responsibility to, for their actions towards God and their actions towards other people. It's just like, it feels good, I'm doing it. But the biblical truth is that God gives us freedom, but it's a freedom with responsibility to both God and to people. And when we fulfill our responsibility to God first, and that overflows into our responsibility to people, then we have a really healthy society. Lots of things work in a society where people accept that freedom brings responsibility to God and to one another. And the third thing, the God of the Bible, we learn is that one of the, I want to highlight this morning is that the God of the Bible does not lie and he commands us not to lie because he does not lie. And you do not find this in every culture in the, nor in every religion. Anyone who does a bit of research will quickly discover many gods who lie and deceive or engage in what's called trickery. The Greek and Roman pantheons, if you've ever studied them, I've had a bit of a look at them. They all have gods who lie and deceive. Hinduism and tribal animism have similar. In Islam, deception is permissible as long as it advances the causes of Islam. These things are permitted. So we're coming back to this question of are all cultures and beliefs and religions and God equal? Now you think about this. If you have a God who lies and you form a society around that God where lying and deceiving and misleading is perfectly acceptable because God does it to us and we're able to do it to one another, then all the way you get lying and deceiving in businesses, family and government. Now the word that we use for that is starts with C and it's the word corruption. Thank you very much. You're tracking with me. That's awesome. Yes. We call it corruption and we have anti-corruption laws. We have anti-corruption commissions within our society. But not every culture does. It's just accepted as the normal part of doing business. And the goal is I need to outlie and outdeceive you so that I win and you lose rather than you deceive me and you lie to me and I lose and you win. What a tiring game that is for a whole society to be functioning like that. But there are societies that function like that and people think that's normal. You can, and even people will lie or deceive to get married. They'll portray themselves as something that they are not to get married. We're asking the question this morning, can God be trusted? And what I mean by that is, can the God of the Bible be trusted? And I want to give you some foundational statements about that, just to hear 
There's all sorts of things we could look at, but let, I've just picked three verses. Numbers 23 verse 19. This is a very interesting situation. Won't go, won't go into the context, but it's a, actually it's a non-Christian prophet looking over the people of Israel in the wilderness and he's been commanded to curse them. And one of the things that he said is, God is not a man, so he does not lie. Isn't that an interesting statement coming out of the mouth of a non-Christian prophet who's been invited to look from the mountaintop over the people of Israel camped in the wilderness on their journey to the promised land. And one of the things he says, Numbers 23 verse 19, God's not a man, he does not lie, he's not human, so he does not change his mind. Interesting. God does not lie. Has he ever spoken and failed to act is the question. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Now, we spent a lot of time last weekend talking about the covenant promises that God has made in the scriptures and how we, his faithfulness is anchored in those promises. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? And these are rhetorical questions that are answered, no. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? No. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? No. Then go on to the book of to Paul's letter to Titus. Titus chapter 1 verse 2. And Paul is speaking to Titus, who's on the island of Crete. He's been left there by Paul. He's looking after the church that Paul's established there. And he says, this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. So again, he's holding up God's character. God does not lie. When God promises something, God delivers on it. Hebrews 6 verse 18 so God has given both his promise and his oath. And these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Such a difference when you're in a relationship with a God who it's impossible to lie. A God who always tells you the truth about himself and about yourself. It's good. You always know where you stand with the God of the Bible. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, of which Matthew 6 is part of this, uh, in chapter 5, uh, Jesus said, You've heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. That's the cultural norm for Israel. That's the cultural norm for the people of God. You must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. And then Jesus goes on, but I'm telling you, don't make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. So what people were doing in that day was like, I promise I'll do this. I promise it by heaven. That's how serious I am. Or I promise it by the earth. Or I promise it by the altar of the Lord. That's how serious I am about this. Like you can, you can take this to the bank, you know, with their fingers Cross behind their back, kind of deal. Uh, do not say these things by the earth, because the earth is God's footstool, and do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. And Jesus says, This is the standard for his people. Just say simple, Yes, I will, or No, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Wow. 
And Jesus concludes and says, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. You are to be complete. In other words, as the people of God, you are to be like your Father in heaven. You are to be like him who doesn't lie, him who keeps his word. You see, these are the things. So when we say, can God be trusted? We have to to make a decision about whether what we are reading in the Bible can be trusted, whether the God that's revealed to us in the Bible can be trusted. With everything about my life, one of my earliest experiences in learning to trust God was as an 18-year-old teenager. And I read these words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. And Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and God will give you everything you need. I read those words and there were some things that I was working through as an 18 year old about my life and what it was going to look like and a whole bunch of things as you're often doing. You're making this sort of life forming decisions. And I read these words and it suddenly dawned on me that Either I could take Jesus at his word or I couldn't. Either I could make God, the kingdom of God and his way of living my highest and only priority and everything else will be taken care of. Now remember the context of this Julie read to us earlier. So it's in the verses before where people are like, they're trying to serve God and money. They're worried about their clothes. They're worried about their houses. They're worried about their food. These are all the things that are relevant to us today. We're going to pursue money or we're going to trust God. Now you need money, but where's it going to be? You can't serve both, Jesus said. You cannot. You'll have a conflict and you will end up not serving God. That is the fruit of how that works out. So I realized as an 18-year-old that I had to trust God and that I was going to make a decision to trust him in everything. I was going to make a decision to say, God, what I'm going after in my life, regardless of what job I do, regardless of all these things, I was actually working a full-time job at that moment. I was like, God, I'm going to make you my highest priority. I'm going to make obeying you everything. The center of my life is going to be about obeying you. When I read things in the Bible, I'm going to believe that you want me to do it and I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust that you will keep your promise that if I seek the kingdom of God as my highest priority and obey him in everything, that all the other things that I need, you will take care of me with those things. I believe you, Jesus. I can trust you. When you ask me to give generously of my money, when you ask me to tithe, I will trust you that you will provide for my needs. Whatever you ask me to do, Jesus, that's what I'm going to do. Because I want to obey you first and foremost. I want the kingdom of God. I don't want to build the kingdom of Wayne. That would be an awesome kingdom. I'm not sure why you laughed. But it will pale into insignificance. It wouldn't matter how great and glorious the kingdom of Wayne became. It would pale into insignificance 
with the King of glory and his eternal everlasting kingdom and his glory increasing over the earth. It would be insignificant. And so that's what I set my heart to do. And, And it's more than 40 years later that I'm standing in front of you. My testimony is that God has never failed to provide what I and my family have needed. Oh, he's never provided what I wanted. Actually, there have been times he has, but he's never not provided exactly what we needed. Through 38 years of marriage, Julie and I have put the kingdom of God above all else. We've sought to live the way that honors the Lord and God has given us everything we needed. Making God's kingdom our highest priority led us to sell virtually everything we own to fund my degree studies in the United States. And God provided for our family every step of the way, departing from here, arriving there. Eventually, and he said, come back. And we came back. We had nothing to come back to. And he said, I'll guide you. And we birthed New Life Church in the midst of that. And through 25 years of leading New Life Church, he's never failed us. Through 20 years of leading Fremantle Christian College, he's faithfully provided everything that we've needed. Through 19 years of leading Jubilee Welfare Fund, he's faithfully provided all that the fund has needed. for. So this is such an important question. Can God be trusted? You see, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not, it's anchored in reality. It's anchored in the grittiness of your life and my life. My car needs repairs like your car needs repairs. The stuff at my house needs fixing like yours does. Uh, Clothes, food, all these kind of things. We all need these things. But it's anchored in this reality of what Jesus said. If, If we dare to trust Jesus, and that's really what I want to leave you with this morning is the challenge of trusting Jesus that if you're making his kingdom your highest priority, not your kingdom, but his kingdom, and if you're living in obedience to him wholeheartedly, he will give you everything you need. But you'll never know that unless you do it. Like you can listen to my testimony, Julie's testimony of his faithfulness, and you can go, wow, that's inspiring. But when push comes to shove in your life of what are the choices you're going to make, and you can start this as a teenager. You can start it by declining shifts that take you away from youth group and church on Sunday and saying, no, I'm making God's kingdom and God's priorities the highest in my life and I'm going to trust that he's going to take care of everything else I need. We can do this, but you won't. It's only when you do it that you find out. It's only when you, it's, it's a dating relationships thing as well. Any of you not married that want to date and have a relationship and maybe lead to marriage? You can keep your hands down. We put it up. But you're going to trust God because one of the things that God says is don't get hooked up with someone who's not in love with Jesus, who's obeying Jesus. 
Don't go into a relationship with someone who doesn't love Jesus. Now, I can tell you, you're going to meet some really lovely people. Be awesome. They'll be fun. They'll be great to hang around. And you'll be like, oh, I can't, surely this is okay. Surely God's in this. They don't, know, they don't love Jesus, but, but I can lead them to Jesus. I'll be the one that leads them to Jesus and then we'll serve Jesus together. Yeah, you're laughing because you know that's a deception. Because it's disobedience to Jesus. You don't get hooked up with someone that does not love Jesus and want to obey him in everything. So you meet someone like that, you think they're interesting, you say, here's my pastor's phone number, give him a call. He'd like to have a chat to you. I'm serious. You you know, I'll put them through the ringer. We'll find out. Are they curious and motivated to learn more about Jesus? Well, let's go. But you do that before you have relationship. You do it separately over here. You see, this is very practical. On and on and on. In the, in the workplace, in the, your job, you, you, you're tempted to compromise, to cut a corner. No one's going to see it. You, it. All sorts of things come about. It's like, no, honoring God, doing what's right in the eyes of the Lord. He knows, he sees me like no one else may see it, but he sees my, he sees what's going on. I'm accountable to him. I don't care about my boss. I care about my boss's boss's, the big boss. The God boss is the one that I'm caring about, right? So I'm working for him. This employer is not my boss in that ultimate sense. God is my boss. I want his affirmation, his joy, his pleasure. I want him to say, well done. Well done. You represented me well in that workspace. You showed that you belonged to me. You honoured me by your behaviour, by the way you did your work and the, way, the things that you said. I believe that Jesus is looking for a response from you today. Specifically to this command. Where he said, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek, God, seek the kingdom of God above everything else. And live righteously, which is to live in obedience to God. Uncompromised obedience to God. And so the question for all of us today is, will we say yes to Jesus today? For some of you, it's yes again, Jesus. For some of you, it's the first time. It's like, wow. I wasn't expecting this this morning. It's like, okay. And some of you are like, I'm not ready to make that commitment. That's okay. You need to wrestle with the implications of it. It's important. But some of you are because your, your heart is already on this page. And I'm going to ask you to... We're going to stand up in a moment. I'm going to ask you to do that publicly. I'm going to ask you to actually come and stand down the front here publicly saying to God and to others and to yourself that yes, God, I'm going to make 
seeking your kingdom, the highest priority in my life and obeying you in everything is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to believe and trust that you will keep your promise and you will provide everything else I need. I'm going to put you absolutely first in every decision I make, God. I'm going to invite you to stand right now and the worship team will come up. If you're ready to say yes to that, make this public. I want to encourage all who are parents. Like if you've never said this publicly and your kids have never seen you do this publicly, I, I mean, I realize I'm putting pressure on you. Like, you know, there's nowhere to hide. That's okay. You know, but I'm saying your children, your teenagers need to see that this is the page mum and dad are on. Now, maybe your kids are adding kids and they're not going to see it. Like, oh, Wayne, they're never going to know. We'll just stay in our chairs. I would say, no, reach beyond that. Do it, do it because it's like, no, this is the commitment. This is it. This really is one of those, um, I think it's a watershed moment. And I believe the Lord is looking for this kind of response from us not an indifferent response not a passive response but a, but this yes God yes I'm all in I'm all in I'm going to trust you trust you you'll provide all the things that I need you'll direct my steps I could tell you story after story of how God has provided for us as a family as we've made this our commitment and some of you know those stories and I'm happy to share them but I don't haven't shared very much about those but we saw God's faithful provision for us setting our hearts on this course and so our family history is God can be trusted our children know that and our grandchildren now know that they're learning that So, you ready to come? Just make your way to the front. Just make say, I'm, I'm all in, Jesus. I'm all in. I'm declaring publicly. I'm declaring to myself. I'm declaring to my children. I'm declaring I'm all in. We will seek the kingdom of God as our highest priority. And we will obey you first in our lives. Come, come close to the front. Just let others come in behind you. Come, come close. So, yeah, come. Yeah, yeah. Just all in, all in. Yeah. One of the things that I've learned is that, is that God just takes us where we're at. I started this journey as an 18-year-old. I, I had no clue where it was going to lead me. But it was just a yes to God in my heart. I will, I will trust you. I believe you. I'll make it your kingdom my highest priority. And step by step, through all sorts of different seasons and time frames and 
pressures and stresses I've seen and I've many times had to wrestle my heart. It's like, God, it just doesn't feel like you're being faithful. But he always was. And his timing was never late. His timing was never late. And it put something deep within my spirit to time and time again to say, I'll trust you, God. I'll trust you, God. And so, Father, here we stand. I just invite you, just open your hands. Just open your hands and open your heart. Just say, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm all in to make your kingdom my highest priority. Not the kingdom of me, but the kingdom of God, my highest priority. I'm all in to obey everything that you instructed me to do. Everything that the scripture says that I'm to do. I'm all in on that, Jesus. Every area of my life, I'm all in. I believe you, Jesus, that you'll you'll fulfill your word. You'll take me on this journey of trusting you. And you'll take me on this journey of providing everything I need. You will be faithful, Jesus. Here we stand, Father of glory, before your very presence this morning. And I continue to ask you, Father, that you will mark us as a people. Lord, we have a history as a church of your provision. We have a history of Fremantle Christian College of your provision of Jubilee Welfare Fund, of your provision. And Lord, we're asking for the increase of that right through New Life Church. Every single home, every single family, every single individually marked by this reality. Lord God, that that a new a generation growing up with this reality, that they took you at your word, Jesus. You fulfilled your word as you did because you're a God who doesn't lie. You're a God who doesn't change your mind in that kind of way that's fickle. When you say it, you declare it. And God, I thank you for the people that went before me, that inspired me to trust you in this. We say, God, we thank you that we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. We want to join our voices to their voices invite me to pray your own prayer to the Lord right now. Perhaps there's something in particular, particular area where Jesus is saying, you need to trust me. Maybe it's with your job. Maybe it's with a life partner. Maybe it's with finances. Maybe, I don't know. The list is endless. But just say, Jesus, I believe you will provide what I need. That you will be faithful. Just begin to speak that out to him today. I believe, Jesus, that you will provide all that I need. Everything I need as I set my heart to obey you.